We are Allie and Erica, certified integrative nutrition health coaches in gut and hormone health and the hosts of the podcast, Courageous Wellness. We are committed to destigmatizing conversations in the wellness space and celebrate the experiences and lessons of our guests in pursuit of physical, emotional, and spiritual wellness. Listen to Courageous Wellness wherever you get your podcasts with fresh episodes every Wednesday. Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. Uh, and this is an episode that is, I would say, for pessimists, for the self-help haters out there. It's for if you feel hopeless and stuck, and maybe you just you gave up on change a long time ago. So if you think, you know, self-help doesn't work for me, I can never change, I just don't take the steps, I don't read the books, I am royally fucked up in my issues, I don't see them going away anytime soon, people don't get me, and most content doesn't resonate with me, this is for you. And this is also for you if you are in a place where just nothing seems to work for you. Like if you want to believe in all this stuff, but in the past it just hasn't done anything for you. So maybe you're just staring at your hands and saying, why me? Why won't these things work for me? And by stuff, I mean, you know, there's a huge genre of like best-selling self-help work, you know, like, um, I mean, Oprah's podcast is probably the, the most popular example. There's a lot of lofty thinking, a lot of optimistic, inspirational you know, hosts and authors. And if you feel like you're alienated by that content and it, you wish it worked for you, but it doesn't, this is an episode for you. And as with all of my episodes, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. And before I go into the episode, I just wanted to give everybody a heads up. I am starting to entertain sponsors, but uh, that is something I'm very sensitive to and I plan on just doing something I actually like and also keeping it to the pre-roll section so hopefully it won't be too intrusive um, but feel free to reach out if you have thoughts or feelings or strong reactions to that um, I, fi- I figured I have to at least try it just because I want to make this you know more of a thing um, so hang in there with me if you please All right, here we go. Part one, the what. So as I said, this is an episode about self-help for haters, meaning if you hate most self-help out there, like anything to do with gratitude journals and manifesting, um, or, you know, maybe you hate the word God or just the idea of spirituality. And if you are the type of person that doesn't read the books of people that Oprah has on her show because they all sound the same or they all feel like fluff to you, you might think of yourself as like a realist. Or maybe you want to get into all that stuff, but it just simply hasn't worked for you. And maybe that's because you feel stuck in a loop. Like you try and then you fail and then you fail again. Like you put in some effort, you don't see any results. Or maybe you think you've made change, but then the old habits rear their ugly heads, and so you feel hopeless. And if that sounds like you, I can relate. I would say I spent a large percentage of my life in that place. And I remember looking at people who were all into, you know, basically being happy and talking about lofty things, and I just felt resentful. Um, Because all that content rang false. It felt really sappy to me. And I did a lot of rolling my eyes. And more than anything, I just felt isolated in how fucked up my life was. But ironically, that's when you kind of, you need that optimistic content the most. But it's it's almost like you can't access it from that place because you can't relate to it. And it's just like it exists at a place that's so unrelatable and so like high in the clouds. It almost feels like trivial or silly or just oversimplified. Like, yeah, if it, if it was that easy, don't you think I would have done it by now? So maybe you are feeling frustrated and inept and crappy about yourself and isolated in how bad you feel despite going through the motions of trying to create change. And maybe you feel like everyone else has figured it out and everyone else seems to have a better life 
or a better spouse or a better house or a better car or better everything. And why can't I figure it out? I'm trying so hard. Or um, maybe I'm just different. I'm just broken. I don't get that stuff. That stuff doesn't get me. I'll never be that type of person that can get on board with silly, fluffy stuff like that. Maybe that's that's just how you felt about all kind of that genre for this far in your life. Which brings me to part two, the why. Well, the biggest part of um, the why that I want to bring up first is it's a, a little thing called learned helplessness. Like when we try with all of our might and we fail, or we decide we want to change and then we don't, we slowly ingrain this lesson into our minds that things will never be different. Like we are taught to expect the same just because of a repetitive pattern of seeing the same. And as we all know, your lens creates your perspective on the world. So if you have repeatedly watched your life not change despite efforts, then you are now your lens is this is reality. Nothing will ever change. Um, I will always feel this way. I was I will always be depressed. I will always feel insecure. I will always hate other people that are, you know, happy and into these things. Whatever it is, this becomes like an identity because just because we have repeated it and we have learned that we can't expect anything different. So that is when we get really closed off to anything that doesn't feel tonally aligned with what our life experience is. Like that's when you are unable to believe in really impossible, you know, spiritual and magical things because that doesn't align with our personal experience and the pattern of our personal experience. And when we get closed off um, and harsh to the outside world, that also applies to our insides as well. So I would say like a major thing to draw a highlighter around in your own life is harshness towards self. Because when we're really harsh in general, it inhibits your ability to believe in the external good of most things. Like our ability to see the validity of a lot of things, it just shrinks. So you can think of it like an equation. How we view things on the outside is how we view things on the inside. So if you find that you have resent toward happy people, like if, for example, let's say on Instagram, if somebody shares something that makes them really happy, if you find yourself like annoyed at them for doing that and you see them as other, you, you cannot share in their happiness, that signals a feeling of lack internally. That's like you can take that equation and also point it back inside. We cannot give to others what we cannot give to ourselves. Like, and you might be like, oh, yeah, no, duh. Okay. I just want to say that. Moving on. So we've established you have a sense of inner lack um, and you, you likely feel disappointed with yourself somehow. So let's break down why. Because maybe I haven't been able to get my shit together because I haven't gotten all the stuff I want in life. Like I haven't gotten my career the way I want it to be. Maybe I don't have a partner. I don't have this type of success I want to have. I don't have the body I want to have. I don't have the following I want to have. Maybe it's because, you know, I haven't been able to stop acting in this one way that makes me feel like shit. Um, Whatever it is, fill in the blank. So let's now break down why that thing, whatever it is that's wrong with your life, might be such a focal point for your identity. That is a hugely common emotional coping mechanism. Like we will focus on a very specific process or habit or condition in our life instead of confronting some kind of emotional pain that exists inwardly. And I often refer to it as like a game of dolls. And by a game of dolls, I mean like you have like five dolls and they all like have little outfits on and you pull them out and you give them important roles and then you make up a little play with the dolls and you make up a conflict. And these dolls are fighting over this and this doll wants this and this doll won't be happy until she gets this and this doll is like no you can't have that because you don't have this so we end up creating our own particular game with all the names and all the roles and we keep playing this game for years of our lives we get super focused on it and it takes over all of our time and we don't realize it's just a set of dolls it's not real life 
And that's something that a lot of us do because we feel more in control of the shit that's going on in our life that makes us really scared or overwhelmed or feel really sad or, you know, not enough. And wh- why that helps us is because we can feel like we're active. But it's, it's just a game. It's a ruse. It's not real. It's just like a habit of, of us getting involved in the control of this thing that is not controllable in our life. So, for example... One real-life version of the game of dolls is constantly checking your weight, like weighing your food, measuring it, reducing like certain types of foods from your diet, being so hyper-focused on the things you're eating all the time, on every single pound you gain. That would be your game. That's your way of giving yourself a project to focus on that gives you all of the labels for this is if I'm doing well, this is if I'm not doing well, this is a reason I f- should feel upset, this is the reason I should feel happy, this is my worth in a format I can control in front of myself. This is giving me a, f- a sense of empowerment. It takes up so much time and energy. Um, for other people, it's, you know, a different badge or an achievement that's far ahead in the future. That's another game. If I can just get that thing out there, I will feel happy. I'm just going to keep chasing that thing like my, you know, life depends on it. And eventually when I get there, I'll be happy. That just gives you a feeling of control over why you're maybe unsettled or, or depressed in your life. It's like, it's because of that thing. It's because of that thing. It keeps you occupied. It's a way to feel less untethered and less, and less groundless. But it's all um, something we've made up in our minds that doesn't actually equal happiness in reality. So let's say you feel stuck, um, maybe because you, you keep going back to someone who doesn't treat you well. Or you keep getting wasted and you sleep with strangers and you really don't want to do that, but you keep doing it. Or let's say you keep overeating and you aren't the, the weight you want to be. Or you, you try and make everything in your life perfect, but you still feel like you're behind and you feel left out and you feel like your peers are doing better than you are, they're growing faster than you are. These are all games of focus. Like they're like mental projects that distract you from just plain old suffering and just being in the feelings and feeling like not enough and feeling scared or just feeling insecure, feeling unsatisfied. It's a lot harder to just feel plain old shitty, you know, like feel really insecure and ugly and old and lonely. Those are just really intense, you know, painful emotions. And I would also bet all of the feelings you you suffer from, they come from all sorts of weird and random old places. And oftentimes they occur when they don't make sense. They're, They're oftentimes very confusing. And sometimes they're more exaggerated than they feel like you feel like they should be logically so it's it's confusing like when you're in a place of suffering like if you just go into a dark cloud suddenly and you're like I don't like my life I don't like myself I don't like where I am if you don't have a rational uh label to stick on that thing the most you know healthy response we have to that is to try and figure one out oh it's because of this because I really don't like my job. It's because I'm not happy in my relationship. It's because I don't like my body. Like we'll try and figure out a way to help ourselves control it and do something about it. So we feel less terrified and less powerless in the suffering. Like it has a, has a beginning and an end when we can put some sort of label on it. So all of these are games, as I said. Um, and oftentimes the feelings, they don't make sense. They're all, you know, it's like these weird clouds that pass through us. And oftentimes they'll come from really, really old, old memories that maybe we can't access from whatever state we're in currently. But the shitty part of the labeling process is we always forget we're doing it. And so we will just double down. We play harder. And often winning this game staves off feelings, the feelings we have, just for the tiniest bit of time. But it's so fleeting because those feelings still live on despite whatever we throw in this stew. So like, let's say, you you know, you finally hit your goal weight and you feel like super hot and you're like, yes. It's like that reward is so temporary and so fleeting. It's not like it hits a fulfillment level of like, ah, I'm finally happy. It's just like you've won the game, but it's like, oh shit, now I got to keep going. I got to keep chasing it. It's like you've all of a sudden given power to something outside of yourself. Um, and that's why we end up 
running, pursuing selves anywhere we can see them, it's exhausting. And we can spend so many years of life just chasing things and them never ever making us feel more fulfilled. And another way to look at this problem is like, it's like there's a missing piece, you know, if like, if you if your conscious goals are, you know, to be happy and like to be fulfilled, your your pursuit of that thing is not going to result in that feeling. So it's like we're, we're missing a part of the equation and we don't know to look for it in a different way. We can get really stuck in that loop of behavior. Outside of the game of dolls that we all tend to play, I would say another common cause of a sense of stuckness or dissatisfaction with yourself in your life is when your what you want for yourself does not match what you do in your life. Like your actions don't align with what you want to do consciously. And that signals there's some internal disconnection happening. I would say 99% of effective change and personal growth is being capable of control over your actions. Like you, in order to actually create change, you have to be able to control your entire body. You have to have a consistent experience, a lucid experience of your, your life, your life's narrative. So as a very first step, I will say, if you are not in control of your actions, like if you oppose yourself, like almost like you have two selves, that's a signal that a particular kind of, I would say, foundational work needs to be done. Because when we can't have a continuous experience, like, for example, if you leave your body uh, during certain times, like um, when you're really triggered, when you're really emotionally overwhelmed, when you're really insecure, when all of a sudden you go into a different mode and your actions in reality oppose your goals, that's signaling some sort of breakdown somewhere in consciousness that is triggered by an emotional response. And I would say that's just like a little, you know, a signal that's a healthy signal sending to yourself consciously is something's buried it needs investigation it's like a, there's a little tangle there's a little wire that's crossed and i think a lot of the time when you are you know doing things that oppose you and like when we feel really alienated by the health and the happiness of others that is often caused by blocked um, invisible shame and that's something that's so commonly blocked. Shame is like such a toxic feeling that we don't, we learn, our brains protect us from it by just like creating a little, you know, a stucco, like we patched the wall. There was a hole in the wall and then we just stuccoed over it. And that means that like you can't identify where it is because your brain's like, no, no, nothing's here, nothing here, nothing to see here, just keep going. And so we keep kind of adapting around this thing. Like, you might not think of it as an important thing because you just don't want to fucking think about it. It's like, no, I'm not going to talk about that. Um, But then you start to rationalize things in your life uh, in different ways. Like, for example, you might say, I'm just so behind. I'm so behind and I'm I'm not where everybody else that is my peer is in their life. And I'm never, you know, I just feel like constantly like I should be farther along in my life. I should be farther along in my life. That could be your brain's conscious rationalization for having been sick for a year and losing that time of your life like let's say you're bedridden for a year that is an incredibly traumatizing experience and um, maybe you lost all your friends during that time this is like a totally random made-up scenario but that trauma is something that's so painful that you won't want to think about it or go into it so you're just you're having this this morning, this response in your body, and your brain is making up a new reason for it that is, I'm just far behind and I shouldn't, I should be, you know, it's like we're giving a different label to a feeling that is not due to that thing. It's not our fault that we have that feeling. So just look for recurring patterns and recurring narratives. Because when you are blocked by some invisible wound, it, you, it's really hard to jump to best self because some part of you is holding on to this old thing and accepted that that's always going to be part of who we are like um to give you an example when i was i would say i was like at my most hopeless i was part of me had just accepted 
I'm always going to be an addict or I'm always going to have an eating disorder. That It was like a secret death that existed somewhere. Like I became resigned to that being something I could not solve because I had practiced not solving it for so long. And that defined a part of my thinking that made it impossible for me to jump to let's manifest things and let's, uh, you know, talk to the universe. Like that was so far away from possible because um, my fear had drywalled and stuccoed over a part of myself. And I think a lot of us, when we have really big, heavy issues or things that we're ashamed of, there is an innate and very, you know, oftentimes healthy fear that protects us from going there. Because some part of us feels like if we do go there, we will fall apart and we will not be able to function. So when we drywall and stucco over that part of ourselves, we choose not to examine in that direction because it's too painful. It's too scary. We don't feel capable. And at a certain time in our lives, we had to keep carrying on. We had to keep functioning. So it's almost like we have a new blind spot in the brain. And we can't even identify it anymore. We end up working around it. We make up the reasons for the behavior. And then it becomes just me and my shitty self. You know, that becomes like, um, I'm just inept. I'm not I'm not capable of change. Nothing works for me. I'm not motivated. I can't get myself to do anything. Um, and if you've noticed that pattern in yourself, like if if that sentence sounds true, like I'm just I don't I don't do it. I don't diet. I don't buy the books. I don't do the things. Like if you have a broken record in you like that, um, I don't know if you've ever heard the term frame fucking. Like when you slow down like an edit and look at every single frame and you like take apart, you know, filmmaking in that level. That's kind of what needs to be done on yourself. You've got to slow down all the individual scenes that are occurring in your pattern, in your life, and you got to take them apart you got to see the moments that are occurring because it's very nuanced. It's not just a blanket like, yeah, I'm a lazy fuck. No, there's something actually occurring in those individual moments that you can't identify from the outside that can be hacked. There's a, a cause, there's a moment of causality that it's like a domino effect that reinforces all of the other ways of being. So there's some piece of information that you need to get to that's like so microscopic that you've glossed over it in your rationale for everything that you do in your life. You got to frame fuck yourself. (laughs) Um, And I will say just for whatever it's worth, whatever you have done to yourself or others, it makes sense. It didn't come from nowhere. Whatever you do, other people would do if they were placed in your exact life story with your exact internal makeup. And that is something most of us forget or we find hard to believe, especially if we're like really ashamed of where we are or what we've done. And when we feel ashamed, that just in itself causes us to act in really destructive ways. It's a byproduct that then creates a life story. So when we have an experience that we then cope with in maladaptive ways, it just creates a chain reaction that then solidifies into a personal narrative. For example, let's say you get rejected and it hurts really badly and then you get wasted and you get wasted a lot more often and then you're around people who get wasted often as well and then you get in a bar fight and you get arrested and then you lose your car. It's like now this is a story that narrates you to you about who you are. Like then you're like, I'm a low life. It's like you know, water is running down the side of a mountain and it's like it starts to, it creates a new path and then it runs stronger and stronger down this other path. And I will say, if you are one of those people that feels like I've tried to change, I can't change, it's just, it doesn't work for me, I'm not into, you know, buying books and applying the books, it's like, I want you to look at self-work as exactly the same process as buying a new dishwasher. When you break it down, it's just a series of little steps. They're that straightforward. They're, la- they're that unsexy. Remove the stigma and fear from the process and just think of it like you're shopping for a new dishwasher. You start Googling and then you read a couple of articles and then you click on links and then you Google other terms and then you ask other people in your life, like, what kind of washer do you have? Do you like it? How much did it cost? Uh, how long did it last? 
etc. Um, and that is just treat it like that. Take you out of it. Just it's treat it like, like I got a fucking need. I need a new washer. I have to get the washer within the next six months or I'm going to have no more clothes to wear. Uh, whatever it is. And I will say that the, it gets a lot easier. It's like at the beginning, you're going through the motions of something really tedious. It gets a lot easier when you figure out the tiniest why behind what is making you in particular stuck. Because then things start to become logical. Like if you investigate the chain reaction that has led to where you are in your life, it's it's like so much so much of what keeps us where we are is we don't believe ourselves. Like shame is something that defines self and it overwrites good and innocent and it replaces it with, no, I know I'm bad. I know I'm a piece of shit. And because of this, it's really tricky to dismantle it because it hides in our core. So getting unstuck starts with just entertaining logical reasoning and acting as if, and then eventually you'll get the tiniest, like, familiar, you know, you'll hear like a little ring, ringing bell of like, oh, wait, that's me. Really? Like, there'll be the tiniest crack of light that comes into this dark room. And then it gets a tiny bit easier because there's knowledge you don't have from where you are right now. It's like we just need that like a tiny bit more knowledge of you need more truth. And that is what can crack through, debunks the story, just the tiniest bit gives you the tiniest bit of leg up. So that's, there is a point where you get a tiny bit more momentum when things start to ring true and make sense. Because there is a why behind wherever you are. And I will say, others, if they were put in your shoes, given exactly your ingredients and your circumstances, would do just as, as you have done. You're not an idiot. You're not broken. And everything can change in a second. Your entire life could look totally different in 24 hours. I'm not exaggerating. It's, it can happen so quickly, a change. And it can happen when you're at your worst, when you're at your lowest, you're most full of hate, your life is a, you know, falling apart. There's just, you can't see all of what is possible from where you are because that's what depression does. It blinds you and makes your brain think, I, I, I can only expect to see more of this feeling in my life. That's all it will allow you to perceive because the other parts of your brain are shut off. So just know that. It's one of the most important factors in just being unhappy and being stuck. It's like your brain will tell you, I only have this to expect in the future. Which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. All right. My first tool is called Fuck You, Denny. Um, if, you, <laughs> if you have a loved one named Denny or your name is Denny, I don't, I don't dislike that name. It was just a random name I picked. So fill it in with a different name. Um, so this is a visualization tool. I want you to call a particular habit of thinking. Um, I just, I want you to call it out and reframe it. And you're reframing this form of thinking as a jerk named Denny. So we'll come back to Denny. Um, when you go through a thought process of self-reflection and you think to yourself, I just don't do things like journaling, or I'm not good with my feelings, or my issues are too deep, I'm just fucked up, and I'm, uh, I'm just that type of person, I'm into this type of thing, I'm just like, I'm not uh, a person that can ever be committed, or I'm not, I'm not a person that can ever be, um, stay in the same place for too long, whatever it is, whatever the narrative is. Denny is like a fear monster that's telling you not to try because that means losing the comfort of sameness. And the comfort of sameness is not necessarily happiness. It's just a not awkward feeling because we've done it for so long that we feel safe in it. Like we know what to expect in the same loop of unhappiness. Even if we're really miserable, it's like that feels comfortable. So Denny's voice is the same voice that tells you not to go to the workout class when you're lying in bed and it's, you know, Sunday at 11. It's the same voice that says, don't go talk to her. She's out of your league. It's like all of these things that you do want to do deep down, but the actual fear and the risk involved makes it adds logic to the thing you want to do and says like, no, but you don't want to do. You don't want to do that. And we take Denny for granted as logic because that's what it sounds like. And that's the most loud voice oftentimes. But in this case, you have learned helplessness 
and it's not actually accurate to what you want truly. I would say you're, you're, the best way to get to the, um, the knowledge of what you really want is what do you want when you're happiest, you're safest emotionally, and you're thinking about um, the loftiest goals you can for yourself. That's usually your truest want. That's when you're in kind of the most reflective state of mind, the most rational state of mind, the so most sober, emotionally sober state of mind. So when your brain gives you a reply that's like, I tried it, it's not going to work, or no, I don't do stuff like that, I just don't. That is in reality a decision from Denny. That is fear. It is, it is the decision based on trying to stay the same and not risk something unfamiliar. Um, it's not risking change. So we think of it when we say stuff like that in our heads as truth. We think of it as like, that's just who I am. Or, or we'll think, oh, it's just because I'm not motivated. It has nothing to do with motivation because you haven't even gotten to that stage. It's like a halt sign in your brain that says, I am deciding not to change. I am deciding to remain the same because that is the safe place. Unhappiness and no change is the safe place. So the shorthand of this tool is, next time you have a thought like that, I don't do blank, I can't do blank, things will always be the same blank, I'm not going to try blank. That's fucking Denny. Say fuck you, Denny. Denny is saying, stay the same, stay unhappy, fuck you. Shut up, Denny. All right, the next tool, the right education. So if you've tried everything and it hasn't worked, then you have likely learned helplessness. And there are many studies on this effect. They did a lot of them on dogs. It's terrible. It's awful. If you want to cry, Google uh, learned helplessness studies, comma, dog. Um, the point is, once you watch yourself try and fail a bunch, you learn to accept that this is just reality. It's like you condition it into your brain as fact. And that's a terrible, shitty state to be in because it basically means a lot of things um, probably, you know, did fail you. Like, you, probably it was a lot to do with circumstance. It might have been timing. Um, it might have been also, like, your capacity when you did try these things. Regardless, your brain began to expect that this would be the way it is always. And the brain's expectations create reality. Like, what you expect to see in the world is exactly what you will see. It doesn't mean the other stuff doesn't exist. It's just, like, it becomes your filter. Uh, as a test, like, everyone, when you leave, go look for uh, Volkswagen bugs. And you'll see, just, like, your brain's filter picks up on random things like that. So this tool is really just a highlighter tool that I'm handing you. I'm handing you this red highlighter um, to just scan yourself and ask yourself if this might be true for you. Has your expectation machine interpreted everything you see in your life as a result of um, me and, you know, I'm, I'm always going to fail? Do you have that narrative? Is that operating inside of yourself? Ask yourself, do I expect things not to work for me? Do I expect things not to work out for me no matter what I do? Do I expect myself not to take action? Do, did I try a long time ago and get burned and feel really scared and hopeless? Was there a time in my life that I desperately needed help and no one helped me and nothing helped and nothing changed? Because um, I would say that's another huge factor in the expectation glasses you wear. If you felt the devastating pain of hopelessness when you actually were struggling to be active, um, that will cause you to double down on, I accept my powerlessness. And it also will make you double down on a desire to hide and avoid pain. Because like, if you went through some shit, and uh, you tried everything and it didn't work, like that's a that experience is now interwoven in your in your body in your muscle memory um, of just the intense agony you suffered. Like that's something that I would say like it'd, it'd be great if you could talk through with a therapist. Because like when we have stories like that of when other people fail us, it's usually when you know we're younger. We didn't have uh, the resources or the logic to really integrate that story into ourselves. I'm getting on a tangent. Just want to throw that out there. If you if you have something like that in particular, like I really recommend like talking through it and processing it and mourning it. Um, because 
back onto my script for this one. The key to your change is really unlearning this muscle memory of learned helplessness by force. Like you've got to deliberately break it down. Notice, first of all, that it exists. Um, but if you are a dog in a cage that got shocked repeatedly or you are an elephant that's tied to a bar, um, you need a trainer, you know, to show you you can move. Like you are not trapped. And per- uh, that person needs to repeat it with you. I'm referencing sad stories of animal abuse. Um, so a person that could be a person like a therapist who could help you repeat watch yourself being empowered and watch yourself taking an an action that you normally wouldn't take. Um, I would say it's like whatever it is, you've got to repeat a new habit. And that can be as simple as a tiny action in response to the thought. I've said this in past episodes, but it's like when you witness yourself in a state of powerlessness, take a pill called action. Do anything in the moment that is positive. Just be active. That is an instant way to get relief for that thought and to, uh, to untrain it and take away a little bit of its power over you. Um, so you're the animal trainer or, or hire an animal trainer. Somebody that's going to repeat this finding ex- a new external way of being applying a dramatically different way of being, demonstrating to yourself via visual feedback, I am I'm rehearsing a new way of no new way of being in response to this way of feeling. And depending on the ailment, you know, maybe you need a personal trainer as well or a naturopath or you know, a nutritionist, whatever it is, like bring in extra outside professional help if possible. I think it's a lot easier when you like double down on all the outside help you can get. But right now you're untraining one single symptom. You're unlearning helplessness in the particular form that affects you. So for example, let's say your ailment is chronic procrastination. Um, Just isolate that one element and keep it simple. In the moment you say to yourself, I am inactive, take a pill called action and do something super tiny, like one jumping jack. Um, I would say if that's your thing, if you procrastinate, like do that with me right now. I'm going to do it with you. Okay? We're going to do a jumping jack. Or a sit-up. That's another one that I like a lot. Okay. And that is how you alleviate the curse of inaction. You just take one action in the face of it. It's like all of a sudden you feel immediately better. All right. The next tool is called float. And this is a visualization. It's when you struggle, um, you know, like let's say you're – you're in a state of frustration and powerlessness and you get mad at yourself. You get really overwhelmed by like where you're, you don't want your life to be the way it is and it is this way. And then you get just really going like a, you know, a rabbit hole of like this is wrong and this is wrong and it's always going to be this way and I'm so far behind and I'm a failure and blah, 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 blah. This is when we start to struggle against ingredients in our life and it causes us the most pain. That is the process that causes the most pain. It's the same goes when, for when you're treading water. That was annoying and loud. Same goes for when you're treading water. Treading water. If you are thrashing about, you're draining, you're getting yourself the most exhausted. It's not helping you. So as you go about your day, or if you're struggling with wanting to be better or wanting something to be different, ask yourself, how can I just float? How can I just stop fighting? Stop struggling with what is. Um, and if you're, you know, fighting with your partner, your schedule, your procrastination, your stuckness, just step back and ask yourself, like, am I thrashing? How can I just float right now? And by float, I mean just witness the situation and be in it and observe it versus fighting with it. Just don't add judgment to it. Just notice, like, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I'm feeling really insecure. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling lonely. Uh, I'm in my room. Like just objective information. And the, you know, it's it's really about reducing the amount that we lump onto ourselves because so much of our paralysis is self-inflicted. It's just the mental process that we habitually go back into of abusing ourselves in our minds. All right. 
The next tool is, am I the devil or am I just in hell? So when you are in pain, when you are suffering, this is kind of showing you your nerve endings. Like it's a signal. And our bodies give us a lot of signals. And I want you to look for the times you have these. Like, for example, you feel really bad about yourself or you feel really, you know, disappointed in yourself. What is that feeling trying to tell you? What is that? Let's say you feel really like frustrated, really pissed off at yourself. What is the anger trying to tell you? Or you feel just really sad and depressed um, or you feel really guilty. Like what is the guilt or the sadness trying to tell you? It's, it's telling you where you end and this other thing begins. It's telling you this thing, something in my life is not aligned with me and my beliefs. It's showing you where you end, your, your highest goals for yourself, what you want for yourself deep down, and where that ends and where this other thing begins that's not you. Something is betraying you. Something is you're doing perhaps something against yourself. Maybe you're do- doing something to yourself. Maybe something is telling you, um, this thing hurts me and I want it to change. So it's not that you're the devil. It's just that you're in hell. So don't conflate or don't confuse the two. It's like saying like, ow, ow, these flames are really hurting me. And it's not like I'm just burning in hell because I deserve to be. Maybe that wasn't the right metaphor. I don't know if that adds a weird element to this one. The point is your, your brain might tell you I'm shitty versus it might be the suffering you're feeling is telling you this thing that's happening in my life doesn't align with my beliefs. This doesn't align with my values. This hurts me. This process I'm doing currently hurts who I am. It betrays something about myself. There are signal, pain is, is a signal. So I would ask you, tell me your narrative aloud and hit pause on this podcast. Like, tell me the narrative about you or yourself. Like, maybe it's at you. Maybe it's about you. Because just like, you know, go for it. Tell me, tell me exactly what it is that's hurting. Hit pause. And now I just want you to notice that, like, Oftentimes we code our stories with meaning and intention in the subtlest ways. Like we add, um, you know, some sort of like hidden agenda. We weave it into the words we use when we tell ourselves our story. And it often kind of sends a little signal to you or it can point you in the right direction of like, where do you believe there's something lesser about you? Something that's your fault, you know? check just check your narrative is there what is the meaning in there outside of just the objective facts you know is it something like you did something wrong you should be different than you are is there a a character in there like is there a bad kid character or a victim character or a rebel just notice this is all like interesting you know excavation feedback like these are all little maps to exploration of like What are the stories we're telling ourselves that reinforce where we are? This is more just like an awareness exercise because we decide how to be in these scripts and often we don't notice we have chosen them in the first place. So I would say, depending on your narrative, just try removing all of the intention, you know, and just reduce it down to objective facts only. So this is just like, I want you to even notice where you've been wearing a devil mask like where you see just the little cracks of light around the edges of it like am I telling myself a particular story about who I am or am I actually aware of just the objective facts of like things that have happened in my life you know the objective facts are like a starting point of understanding like oh this catalyzed this which catalyzed this which catalyzed this this is like where my learned helplessness came from Versus when we wear a mask of a certain character, we kind of practice living as that character. It's like it's a lot more powerful because um, we tell ourselves like how to be. I digress. All right. The next tool, you're staring at a flower. Um, so whatever path, new path you're taking, 
in your life or you're trying to take. Let's say you want to get on board with journaling because you've heard journaling is really helpful or, you know, reading a new book with tools in it. Just treat it like you are staring at a flower. Change is that slow. You cannot watch it happen. It's like you it, things are changing, but just do it. Treat it like it's your job. Do it for as long as you can tolerate it. Let go of observing it and expecting anything from it. Just do it like it's your fucking job and you hate the job and just like, you know, you're paid by the hour. Just go through the motions. In other words, it's supposed to take a long time and it's supposed to feel like nothing is happening and that's the majority of change. It's like treading water. But you've got to keep doing that thing for a few months before any incremental change begins. You've got to just keep going through the motions. It's not interesting. It's not fun. But that's how it works. So just, you know, it's your job. You're getting paid by the hour. Go through the motions. All right. Next tool, when in doubt, just do something. And I mean anything. The worst thing you can do in the process of trying to work on yourself is feel stuck and paralyzed. That's like the worst kind of feeling. I, I hate that feeling. And that is how we reinforce a sense of ineptitude and powerlessness in ourselves. So the goal is just to remain active in the process of changing, even if it means you're just cleaning your house in order to make your mental space more clean and manageable. Just do something. Like if you feel like overwhelmed, like nothing's working, this is your mantra. When in doubt, just do something, anything, something in the right direction, something in a positive direction. It doesn't matter what it is. Don't stay in that loop of like, nothing's working and I don't feel everything's bad. Just take an action that's positive. Uh, another version of this tool, keep it stupid simple. And this is a design principle. Um, things work best if they are simply designed. So as you move through any kind of process in the future, just try and make it easy on yourself. So if things are feeling overly challenging, overly complicated, ask yourself like, how can I just make this as simple as possible for myself? Um, so maybe that means, you know, you're only doing what you need to do in that moment right now. Change is best done simply. So right now, if you feel terrible and hopeless and self-loathing, it's really easy to stop trying and just focus on the pain of suffering. And that can just be a terrible loop to be in. So I would say just when in doubt, do something. If that's the only tool you use, it's a good one. But just keep it simple. You know, what's the, the next best thing I can think to do? That's it. That's all I need to do. That's all I need to ask myself to do. All right. <laughs> the next tool is called, do I secretly love walls? Um, it's scary to open the door to change because a lot of the time we don't know what's on the other side. Oftentimes it means a lot of really intense confrontation and we don't want that confrontation. It's visceral. It's exposing. All of these are real reasons to not want to change. And we secretly might feel like we should be unhappy. Like that might feel like it's our correct life story to us. That can be an unconscious motivator of not taking action. Like fear of the actual result coming about. So this is just something to bring to top of mind for I want you to ask yourself. Like ask yourself from time to time if you catch yourself wanting to stop in the middle of a healthy action like if you catch yourself with some sort of resistance to it like it usually shows up in the form of fatigue of like oh, I don't I can't do that I just don't have the energy ask yourself like do I secretly want to stay this way am I am I secretly afraid of this thing happening of change happening it's just a way to make something unconscious slightly more conscious and I'm doing the same for myself recently because I'm noticing resistance in myself uh, to like just expanding and putting myself out there more. So just keep asking yourself that question because if you are consciously terrified of change um, or if you're – let's say you are unconsciously or, or even consciously afraid of change, know that all of it is done on your terms. It's at your speed. It doesn't happen like, you know, everything's out of your control. It's just like it'll unfold. And it'll be, you know, at the amount that you're ready for. So just it's all about just following curiosity and know that nothing happens all at once. And you can bring it in a tiny bit at a time into your life. It's like it won't be overnight. So I hope this was helpful to you guys. 
Um, before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Sherry, a new yearly sponsor, Jennifer, a new monthly sponsor, and Leslie, uh, another new sponsor, and Marie, a new sponsor on Patreon, and Rosalie on Patreon. Thank you guys so very much. And a new yearly sponsor, Sarah, via yay with me. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so very much. I appreciate you all. Um, I love reading your reviews. They make me teary. They warm my heart. I love you very much. Um, so in closing, if you are stuck, I invite you to look for a tiny light bulb of familiarity, like a little, huh, that piques your curiosity. And if you feel defined by your scars, curiosity is the beginning of change. And it could be that small. And don't worry if most self-help out there rings false. All the other stuff starts to work when you can hear it from a healthy, open mindset. But in order to even get to that point, when happy people resonate with you, you have to be able to not hate them. You have to be able to relate to them. And when you're suffering and you're in a hole, you can't yet. And no wonder. You're not petty for feeling that way. And you're, you're feeling that way because your circumstances have made you feel that way. Um, what I know now is, you know, most self-help works. It's really just about finding the right voice that speaks to you. And I, I want to remind you, all change can start from nowhere including when you feel hopeless and stuck and like shit. And when you're in that state of hopelessness, it's just like you're blind. You, when you're depressed, depression shuts off the part of your brain that can imagine a different non-depressed outcome. Um, but right now, just keep it simple. Making progress can be as simple as having curiosity, as letting yourself Google a few terms and reading a few articles. And just in order to change, it's as simple as starting. You know, so no matter what you do, the only thing, the most important thing is just to keep moving. And if you don't know what to do, just do anything. Do something in a positive direction. But just be perpetually in motion. Um, it's like feeling along a wall in the dark. And because you failed, you know, a million times, it's like you might think, oh, nothing is going to change. But it's like one day, something out of nowhere will just click. Something will change. And something will be different. It's all about just letting go of the need to see results in the moment and going through the motions. And know that like, you know, a lot of it's not super fun and you're not supposed to be like super into it. So it's like you're not a weirdo for not enjoying this. But do it anyway. And I really, really hope this helps you. And I send you my love. And don't forget to smile.